0: Don't you just love a good love story? Love is like that. It's the light that is part of your life. It's
1: unconditional.
2: There's something there for all of us. There's hope that we can get through this and find some joy in our lives. He's always been the one. Self-love is a love story too. Those little sparks of joy are really important. Imagine someone making your biggest dream come true. It's important for people to understand that you're not alone. We love to be part of a Canadian love story. The love story never ends.
0: Well, love is the most important thing.
1: Well, and I think when you find your person, it feels different. Because you know that no matter what, at the end of the day, wherever your head falls, you know that that is your person, the person that you can rely on and trust. And even at the worst of times or The lowest of lows that is still your person and it feels different when you're with the right one
0: hi i'm nancy regan this week's love story belongs to gabrielle and bobby from alberta together these two friends turned lovers have conquered the overwhelming challenges life's thrown at them but they've also been rewarded with the greatest gift This is the Canadian Love Map. Gabrielle and Bobby, hey, welcome to the Canadian Love Map. Thanks for
1: having us. Thank you.
0: We have been trying to get this together for a while, and I'm so happy to finally talk to you. Let's get right into your story. And I I think the best way to start is to say, go back to the beginning. Where is the beginning (laughs) For for you as a couple.
2: 1998. Is that when it was? Yeah, 25 years ago.
0: Oh, it's you know what is very unusual for the man to have the date? I don't mean to sound (laughs) sexist, (laughs) but it's usually the woman who knows exactly the date and the man is saying, oh, is that when it was? (laughs) So Bobby, go.
2: Yeah, uh, I was 16 years old um, and in my hometown, it was a volleyball tournament. Provincial, Provincials, Provincials, yeah, yeah, in, in British Columbia. And um, I met her by the scoreboard and started chatting her up. I thought she was beautiful. And we started chatting and it just kind of spiraled after that. I became friends with her and then her teammates. And then I got to meet her mom and her family that was out there on on the court and started cheering for the team when our team was out of the playoffs. (laughs) And yeah, so it was pretty cool. It was a a good start to a good friendship at that time.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so it was a friendship. There, there were
1: sparks, but only friendly sparks. Yeah, I would say that. Well, we weren't, we weren't sure. I don't remember the scoreboard thing, but that's that's why Bob remembers the date as well. But yeah, it was volleyball provincials, yeah. and by the end of it, Bobby had ended up sitting with all of our parents because we made the finals, and he was in our colors cheering for us.
2: Yeah, the moms went and bought the pajama <laughs> pants because they were all wearing pajama pants in the stands, team. right? Yeah. So they bought me pajama pants so I could be part of the team. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, that's a great sign that they loved and accepted you right away.
2: Absolutely. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. What it, What was it about your interaction with them that kind of cemented things? I
2: I don't I don't I don't know. It was just outgoing, right? I'm a very outgoing and talkative person, right? So uh, love for the sport, um, and so I don't know. It was just easy to talk with them and get along with them. So yeah.
0: It's funny because a lot of boys at that age would have been nervous or shy around
1: parents, particularly mothers, maybe. yeah. Yeah. So I I actually went to a Christian private school. So when we were all there, it was very much like I can remember um, this one. I don't know if you were throwing rocks at the hotel window or something, but they came to the hotel where we were all staying and figured out somehow what rooms we were at or something. But of course, the good little Christian girl, I wasn't supposed to be sneaking out. And I got caught sneaking out to go and, you know, just to see them in the parking lot and to talk. And um, anyways, I got benched for the first game the next day, but it was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny.
0: How what grade were you in then?
2: Uh, I would have been. So, yeah, grade 10. I just got my license. I just got my license. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, those are fun memories. I love it. And how did... Your relationship morph from friendship to you know <laughs> so, so much
2: more. So that's such a funny story, right? So um, yeah, where to begin? <laughs> yeah, where to begin? Um, so Gabrielle, no editing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Gabrielle was lived in a, in Chilliwack, uh, which was eight hours away from my hometown. Um, and when I was in high school, uh, I did an apprentice job through you know some mechanic work trying to get some credits and that kind of stuff. And this fell, kind of took me under his wing and showed me the ropes of the shop and and did all of that and we became kind of friends along the way, right? So at the same time, Gabrielle and I are having conversations, writing e- not emails but letters back and forth.
1: That's how back, like, how far
2: back this was? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'd write a letter and then yeah. put it in the mail and wait for a response. You know, a month later, and and she told me that she was coming back down because her she had her dad that lived there, and she told me that uh, this is the address. Come and come see me for New Year's. So I said, perfect. So, you know, we've been in conversations and I drove down to this address and knocked on the door. Fellow opens up the door. and <laughs> It's the guy that's been apprenticing me at the shop. And he's just like, Bob, I said, Ken, so said, what are you doing here? I said, I don't know, We're here to see your daughter, I think. <laughs> and yeah, and then Gabrielle came out and she's like, oh my God, you guys know each other? And yeah, it was really cool. So easy, like relationship right off the hop right. so and was it
0: still platonic then or or was there something in the work
2: there was something it was always there's always some kind of a spark between us yeah yeah
1: it it, and you know i always explain this to people that bob and i were never in the right place at the right time and yet we were to form where we are now but we definitely you know, he had a girlfriend, I had a boyfriend, we lived in different towns. So it was never convenient, I suppose, to actually have a relationship, but there was just always something. Yeah. 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 And no matter what, it didn't matter where we were. We just, we always kept in touch. We always, you know, wrote letters as stone age as that sounds now. We just were always drawn like that. Yeah. Kept in touch and
2: we supported each other. Right. So if somebody went through a bad breakup or something like that, we would, always be there for each other. We became really good friends along the years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So when you moved in together and you said you, you finally, you know, allowed the relationship to take off, did it, did it fly smoothly right away or were there, was there turbulence at all trying to figure out how to be in a relationship?
2: It was, it was, it was smooth, but there's definitely turbulence, I think. Right. I mean, because we've always been friends, but Different personalities. I think any kind of relationship goes through that, right? But, you know, at the end of the day, we were just ecstatic that we were with each other, right? And that just kind of overpowered everything that we were doing or any obstacles that we had to overcome, right? So, yeah.
1: Well, and I think when you find your person, it feels different because you know that no matter what, at the end of the day, wherever your head falls, you know that that is your person, the person that you can rely on and trust. And even at the worst of times or in the lowest of lows, that is still your person. And it feels different when you're with the right one. And I've always felt that way about Bob, that no matter what, I know that I can count on him, even if, you know, if we are having a fight or, you know, we're at the highest of highs. And I mean, that has been tested, to, you know, times through a relationship for sure. Mm mm-hmm. When did
0: you decide to take it to the next level? Who who asked who
1: to marry Oh, that was a production.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I did. I, uh, yeah, um, we were together for two years. Two years. Yeah, I, I knew right away, like almost right away, that I was going to marry her. Um, I told my my family, my mom and dad, that she was the one, uh, and I was going to marry her. So been ring shopping, like we, not ring shopping, but window window shopping window for shop, rings. Right? Yeah, Bob had said, "Hey, there's a
1: store right here. Do you want to just pop in?" And so I thought, "Oh, we've never checked this one out." So we ran in the store, we're looking around and we left. And I remember we got in the truck, but I was crying and he was like, what is going on? And I said, that was the ring. Like that was, it was the one. So he phoned them the next day and um, he phoned them the next day, coordinated everything, got it done, blah, blah, blah. And then he basically had the ring in our house and he was hiding it for six months until my 30th birthday. And then this was the big, I don't know (laughs) if you want to share that, but so for my birthday, he would give me a clue. So he had ha- he had made these clues, handwritten clues. A riddle. Yeah, like a riddle. Um, and so I would read it every Thursday and then every Friday or into the weekend, we would play out what this riddle was, whatever it was. And if I could figure it out, great. And if not, it was going to be a surprise. And so the first one, we ended up going out to Banff. My family was there. We had a bunch of friends there. Uh, We spent the weekend. We went out for really great dinners. He did like a full 80s themed party. So we went out for the night and whatever. They brought costume parts for me. Like it was just awesome. And then the following Thursday, I find out there's another clue or another riddle. And so that one, I didn't really quite understand what we were doing, but we drove out to helicopter pad um, out in Kananaskis and got to go on my first helicopter ride, which was really amazing. And you know it was funny. Like we we got up there, and the the pilot was being a little odd for sure. Like he was he was asking really strange things and just acting odd. But whatever, maybe that was him. So we get up to the top of the mountain, and we land. And he says, "Well, I'm, I need to go take some pictures for the office, but I'll leave you with this safety pack here, and I'll be right back." And we're I'm looking at this safety pack, and it's a backpack. So then he just disappears, and so it's just us. And so we. We thought, well, let's open up the pack. So we open it up and there's a blanket and there's a dozen roses and there's champagne and there's chocolate covered strawberries. And it was November. So the champagne had frozen on the way up. So it was like a slush, a slushy of champagne. Mm -hmm. And so we just sat on the mountainside, just overlooking everything. And then Bob had said to me, let's take some pictures. And so I was kind of fussing around, just tidying things up. And when I turned around, he was down on one knee as I was looking over the mountainside and he proposed to me.
0: Okay. But, but time out for a
1: second. You said he asked, but you didn't say if you answered. I don't even remember what he said (laughs) to me. I'll be honest with you. I was so floored because I was like, when did you plan this? Like, I know everything that's going on. Of course I said, yes. I said yes a million times over. And I'd say it all over again too. I said, yes. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, all right, game on. So we got to share it with our parents. Everyone was just obviously thrilled because it was kind of like, they had been waiting all this time that oh, we would God. finally, you know, these star-crossed lovers that we'd finally reconnect, that we'd, you know, you know, do the damn thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so by the time we got home, I kid you not, we had 17 venues to look at. My mom was like ready to go. She had everything laid out on the table, printouts, and it was like, all right, let's do this.
0: Oh, that's so great! And how big a wedding was it? Uh, we had 100 people on the nose. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was just the right amount. You know, we invited all of our family and friends and I mean, we have a lot of because we don't have a lot of family in Calgary, but um, lots were able to make it from out of town, which was wonderful. And we did have it here in the city. It was perfect. And, you know, I think the one thing that always sticks with us, too, is that because we were we just really wanted to throw a good party and, and just something really memorable. And, you know, after all that time and of course, we were older when we got married, too. It was just let's just throw a really good party and just a celebration of what this is.
0: What was your most, or what is your most
1: enduring memory from the wedding? (laughs) The dance? Yep. I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) So I had said to Bob, because I come from, I have a dancing background. So I had said to Bob, I don't know if you're interested. I think it would be really cool if we could do like a, like a choreographed first dance. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but it'd be really cool. And he was like, I don't know. He was not necessarily interested. I have two left feet, right? (laughs) (laughs) And we decided um, we chose time of our life from the Dirty Dancing movie. And then probably two months. When did you get hurt in baseball? It was probably like three months before our wedding, maybe four months before the wedding. Um, we were playing kind of like beer league very slow pitch. And um, somebody took Bobby out at the knees and he tore his ACL and his MCL. And so we were like, we didn't know if we'd even be able to do our first dance. And it was just awful. And how are we going to do the lift? You know, and so he managed through and. It was still really, it was, it was so much fun.
0: And, and the question is, can you still do the
1: dance? No. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: was, I
1: was, that was an instant reaction is, from both of you. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, no. Well, it's, it's
1: been 10 years. So. Yeah. It's
0: interesting, you know, doing a dance together is kind of an, a neat metaphor for relationship because you have to really pay attention to the other person and be, you know, aware of their strengths and weaknesses. And, and, and as you say, Gabrielle was a dancer, but Bobby, you weren't, but obviously
1: it worked out beautifully. It really did. Yeah. yeah. And it was fun. Like I think even as we were learning it and and working together on just, you know, figuring out, it's kind of like the dance of life in a way that you're just figuring out how the other person moves and I guess mm-hmm. works and, yeah, it was just a, it was a lot of fun. And I know we still have that video on the iPad, so yeah. we could relearn this for our comeback tour maybe. <laughs> we could run it as a promo clip. There you go.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Careful what you wish for. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like you have been really good dance partners through life as well. And and you mentioned earlier, you know, you've had lots of tests and challenges. So tell me how life unfolded from that idyllic wedding.
2: You
1: want to take this one?
2: Sure. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, was, it wasn't It was that long after we got married and went to our honeymoon. We went to Italy for our honeymoon and, and got to explore that. So um, it was not shortly after that, uh, Gabrielle was having some stomach pains and, and whatnot. So she finally went to go get checked out and Uh, kind of a long story short on that side we found out she had cancer cervical cancer and it kind of just
1: that was all consuming yeah yeah
2: yeah it was was a big shock to to everything right um yeah devastating
0: you were newlyweds and you were both healthy and happy and this is such a curveball
2: yeah yeah
1: it was not like I mean, it's certainly not how you expect to enter into, you know, finally coming together after all those years and then to find out that you have cancer and you're going to be fighting for your life. I guess, you know, at the end of it, I mean, if there's any one thing I can say about it is just I can't imagine another partner by my side. I mean, it's terrifying enough to be in that room when you get that news, your brain just shuts off. You don't hear half the stuff that you're supposed to even be hearing. But, you know, just to have such a good support system. I mean, obviously, my, my parents and Bob's parents and, you know, all of our friends were such good support. But Bob was the one under the roof. Bob was the one making sure that, you know, there was food, but in the, you know, in the morning, because I couldn't get up and walk. And, you know, just all the all the nitty gritty stuff that nobody really knows about. How much did it change your lives? Oh, in every way, Mm -hmm. in every way. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, the diagnosis is scary. And then uh, I had to have a full hysterectomy. And that was awful. We wanted to have children, you know, and that was kind of our dream. Here we are finally together. And then that, the rug kind of gets pulled from underneath you a little bit. And so that's devastating news in itself. You know, I mean, as a woman, devastating to me that, you know, the one thing that, you know, we're told that you're supposed to do and I can't do that. And so that was heartbreaking. Um but then it was kind of like, OK, now I got to go put my fight hat on and I can't worry about that stuff. I have to go and fight this. So we I had the surgery in February of 2015. Um, I started actually in between. I kind of stomped my foot a bit. My best friend was getting married in Mexico and I said, I'm not missing it and I'm not going bald. So mm-hmm. I made them wait. <laughs> so uh, I was healed just enough to be able to fly to Mexico and do the wedding. So we did that. And then as soon as we came home, I actually started chemotherapy on her birthday um, just randomly, but started that I had six months of chemo. Um, I think that was the hardest part. Like, the like the, like the surgery was tough, yeah. but the chemo was awful. You know, granted I did everything in my power. I could, I fought at Western medicine. I fought it with some holistic more natural stuff too. And I think that really, I can attribute that to, yeah how well I actually managed to go through it. If you can have have those two words in the same sentence. Um, but just hard because, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: everything from intimacy to just, you know, your everyday stuff. I mean, I couldn't do, I couldn't do the stairs. So Bob had to wait on me hand and foot. I mean, that's a lot. And he was working full time. That was a lot. We were down to one income. That was a lot. It's just a lot. And, you know, even I remember saying at one point to Bob, like, I know he wouldn't, I know he wouldn't talk to me about it because he didn't want to put that burden on me of how he was feeling. That's the kind of heart that he has. And so I remember saying to him, you gotta, there's gotta be an outlet somewhere. You, that's when you took up running.
2: Yeah. That's (laughs) when I, yeah. My frustration and anger came in exercise. Yeah. So, So I started running, started going to the gym and just pushing myself to the compare. limit so I could just get out that frustration. right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Gabrielle, you say it was a lot. And I think everyone listening can feel that in their bones a little bit, but it also sounds like, Bob, you were a lot in terms of how you took care of her.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How important was that to
2: you? Well, it was everything. It was everything to me. Um, the devastation when when we found out about Gabrielle, I, re- I remember being in the room, and, and but after she... Did the tests and the doctor pulled us in and told us, "Listen, you've got cancer. You've got stage three cancer." I just looked over at my wife and I just saw her eyes blaze wide, right o- like right over her. She went white, and at that point, I remember like so clearly, like I, I've got to be strong here. I've got to pull everything together, everything that I've got. I've got to be the support system and just be there for her, right? So
1: you've never um, told me that before, No. Yeah,
2: yeah. It was everything. I mean, it's definitely devastating to see your, your person go through so much pain and you don't, you feel so helpless, right? Even the things that you do seems like so little, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm tearing up for some reason here.
0: <laughs> so am I. So that makes two of us. What I was going to say is that it, it may have seemed like so little to you because you felt helpless, but obviously she, she felt it was so much. And that I think goes such a long way, that feeling that someone is there like a rock and is nurturing you, Gabrielle, that's what I'm hearing from you.
1: Yeah, 100%. You can never really imagine what it's like to go through something like that. And then you do. And when you need the people around you to that the ones that you count on. I just can't imagine not having those people around, I guess is maybe the better way to put it because it's it, it was it's just hard. Like I can remember every morning, Bob would get up for work and he would get himself ready and do his usual routine and then before he left as I still was sleeping because he ninja and tippy-toed around to make sure I he'd not to wake me he would bring up a tray of food and all the important things that all the doctors had said you know for fiber and for this and whatever and water and juice because like after surgery like I was pretty immobile was really- yeah. yeah um and you know and then my mom would come at lunchtime and she would do the shift change and she would come and she would clear the tray you know like so just those simple things. I just can't imagine having to do that alone. And, you know, even when we were at chemo, I remember seeing so many people there alone. And I just, I don't know, it's sad. Like it just, it's sad, It saddens my heart because I didn't have that. And I'm just so fortunate that I did have, I did have that.
0: And how did you both cope in terms of mindset? Because you seem like really positive, fun, upbeat people. But to go through a six-month chemo journey can wear even the most optimistic people down.
1: We like to laugh a lot.
2: So, <laughs> and that, that's one of Gab's strengths going through that. And, and it shows so much character that she just kept on saying, this is a, just a bump in the road. Just a bump in the road. We're going to get through this. It was never defeat. It was nothing. It was, you know this is just a bump in the road We we'll you get through this and we'll keep on going on with her life. Right. And she did everything in her power to make sure that was true. And I was the supportive to make sure that happened.
1: Yeah, well, and so. we, and and we played a lot. I played pranks on Bob a lot just to make fun of the things that were happening to me. And cause there's really unfortunate things that happen mm-hmm. when you're going through. Cause I also did radiation I did 25 rounds of radiation after the chemo. So my 2015 year, or our 2015 year um, was just full of that. It was basically just focusing on, getting through all the things and then it was recovery uh healing all of those things and then of course dealing with the aftermath of what comes from all the things i went through so yeah we played i played i played tricks on bob and did really silly things and we laughed a lot every time i went to chemo my my best friend said if you take pictures every time you go I will make you a chemo calendar. And she did. And so every time I went to chemo, we took pictures with all the nurses, really ridiculous things, like with them choking me with the with the ropes and like all my cables and things and whatever. And we just you have to I mean you don't have to laugh, but you have to laugh. I had to laugh because that's how I got through. And I mean, I wasn't always like that. There was a lot of time I spent on the shower floor crying. And and then when I stopped feeling bad for myself, I got up and decided, okay, let's let's fight. So even after surgery, like I know you said stage three, I went in thinking we thought it was stage two. And then after I came out of surgery, it was stage three. So Mm -hmm. that's why the super aggressive treatments had to happen because they just wanted to make sure. Right. You know, the, the
0: overused expression is what doesn't kill you makes (laughs) you stronger. But I, I can't imagine that you would get to the other side of this and not have this really new sense of how strong you are, both as an individual and as a couple, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think in a different way, too, because going through all of that has certainly changed me in many ways. Um, And there is a lot of aftermath that I'm still even, I guess it's been eight years, I'm still dealing with. And it's just, that's just how it is, because that's, (laughs) that's just what happens. So, you know, learning to, it's it's in a way, I guess, kind of getting to relearn each other again or just figure out what this new life looks like now that we've gone through this so i mean we fought the battle we won i'm still here but now it's a bit of a different world and a different roadmap that we're we're on so it's not all highs there's lots of lows too but i think like i said before it's we know at the end of the day we have each other and nothing will change that
0: we couldn't share the great stories that we do here on the Canadian Love Map podcast without the amazing support of Charm Diamond Centres. They are Canada's largest family-owned jeweler, and they're proud to be putting love on the map. The folks at Charm Diamond Centres are thrilled to be a part of your love story. So visit CharmDiamondCenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. When did you Get to the point where you could talk about creating a family or your disappointment at not being able to have kids.
1: I don't think we ever had that conversation, or we never really had that disappointing conversation much. It was more of actually, I think I pushed a lot for this because it was like, how do we get going quick? Like we're not getting any younger, and we didn't want to wait. We were finally together, and then all this other blips in the road happened, and it was like, okay, how do we do this? And we were actually at um, Andrea and John's wedding and i remember that was when we were talking about it with some of the people on the bus um in our crew and they had said actually i think it was our my sister-in-law um but she had said you know about egg donation and i was like i just we I, we had never imagined that we would do surrogacy um that was just not on the table because there was nobody that we could turn to or we didn't we didn't really consider we it didn't even think of it yeah um so we actually this is another wild story. We actually did that for almost two years. Uh, we went the fertility route. So we had three different egg donors, one surrogate. Um, we did five transfers. We had three failed ones. We had one chemical pregnancy. We had one successful and a miscarriage on the very last one. Holy so cow. we did all I, that. Need to, I need to take a breath. Just I know. Taking all <laughs> that in. I know. It's, it is That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think, again, you battle with the cancer stuff and we get through all that. And then, you know, we're, we're in the infertility world too. And all we wanted to do was just be a family and have family and, you know, fill our home with, you know, we built our home and we intended to fill it with all these children and, and then we couldn't. So it, yeah, it was difficult for sure. But just, you know, even our community of people just supporting us through that was, I think, really exceptional. And, and then after that time happened, we kind of thought, well, maybe because it wasn't working and it wasn't working and it wasn't working. And so we thought, well, let's look at adoption because there's, you know, that avenue. And so we interviewed some of the different um agencies, decided to go with a really small boutique in mm-hmm. um, Edmonton. And um, it just happened so fast for us. And I mean, I like to kind of brag about that I'm or organized sure. and super organized. Um, but there was a game plan. Like we, we knew exactly what needed to be done and there was no messing around and let's just do it. Cause I said to them like, how long does this take? And they said, well, usually about a year. And I'm like, no, that's ridiculous. We're not doing that. Like that's too long. And, <laughs> and we, and we did, we powered through it. We got everything we needed to do, like police checks, criminal checks. We got our application in all the the references, whatever needed to be done. And then our surrogate had come back to us and said, let's try one more time. So we had new eggs, um, which were my, my cousin's eggs. And I, you know, which is kind of cool because if it had worked and that was actually the one that we miscarried with, um, but that would have been really cool. Cause it would have been a little piece of, you know, my family and, and Bob as well. Um, so we had to put the adoption stuff on hold. We tried with the um, fertility stuff again. And when that didn't work, then we had to, well, we just had to call it. We just had to call a spade a spade. I mean, everyone was exhausted It'd been two years of that. So we sort of dove right back into the adoption stuff um, and we were at the home study stage. So we were already kind of at the halfway point of, you know, checking all the boxes. And we we were lucky enough to find someone that was pretty local to us. That was our social worker. And she was really wonderful. Um we powered through that and I already had step four taken care of at, ste- at step zero. So we were ready at step four when that was time with our family book. Um, and so we were on the list. I just love this story. Yeah. It just makes yeah. my heart
2: leap. Um, but before we we're, before we were approved for the list, we actually got a, a phone call, uh, stating that there was a mother that has already picked us, that we were one of the mothers or one of the couples that she's picked. It was between oh. us and somebody else, but we were not even approved yet. <laughs> right. yeah.
1: Um, you just gave me full yeah,
2: chill. So we're like, what? Like, what's going on? Tell us about all about her, right? And so we ended up going for that. And uh found out that she decided to go with somebody with a little bit more family. local. Yeah. Right. So she wanted her child to be in the same town as her. Right. So fair um and then it was right. It was right after that. I mean, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. We just finally I think we just signed on the dotted line that finally we're approved and can our books can be shown and we were picked.
1: Yeah. The book Bob is talking about is it's like a portfolio book that you have to build. And it's kind of like your story in a hardcover book. And that's sort of what they show prospective Mm -hmm. birth families or birth mothers. So yeah, we were, we were just going to go out for wings with some of our friends for wing night at the local pub at the bottom of our, our Hill where we live. And, um, so we met up with our friends, we're there, we're doing our thing, food came, we actually looked over, my brother and his, um, well, his wife now were there um, with some other friends, which, you know, we rarely saw them. So that was kind of just perfect timing and coincidental. And then I just remember this, like Bob just disappeared. I didn't really think much. I thought maybe he's in the washroom or whatever, but no big deal. And then all of a sudden he rushes from wherever he came from and he taps you on the shoulder and he says, um, you need to come with me right now. And so I thought, okay. So I kind of awkwardly said, you know, I'll be right back. I guess I don't really know where I'm going. And we went outside, and and I said, what is going on? Like this is you're acting really strange. And he said, the agency is on the phone. And of course, we're standing in the parking lot now, like of a pub. Yeah, of a pub. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But standing there looking at each other. So then now they're on speakerphone, and we're like, you know, hey, how are you guys? And you know, like what's going on? And of course, you're wondering. It's like eight o'clock at night or whatever time um, what do you want? Like what, what's the phone call all about? And, um, they basically said, you know, we just love the book that you guys put together. It is phenomenal. And we just wanted to know, like when you guys get picked, how would you feel about sharing? Like if we shared your book as an example for other couples, just so that they know, like, you know, what, what a good book looks like. And so we said, well, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Like that's what you're calling about really
2: Eight o'clock at night.
1: Yeah. And so I remember saying to them, like, is that it? Or like, what's, what's going on? And they said, well, what are you guys doing on Saturday? And this was obviously on a Wednesday. And we're like, I don't know, like, what are we doing on Saturday? Are we, what's happening? And they said, well, you've been picked and she wants to meet you. And so that's kind of the next step of how that works. So then you do a match meeting. And so we're like, yes. And now Bob and I are crying in the, in the parking lot together. And then we're rushing to the car I don't have my keys on me. Like we're trying to write things down. I still have the napkin that everything is written on, like all the details. Cause you want to know stuff. Um, and so we had to, we kind of kept it to ourselves for the first
2: couple of days just from like, other than the people like, inside the, the restaurant that we were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, we
2: told them, we told them once we walked in there, they said, what, what's that smile all about? What's they, going on? Yeah, and we told them the and next thing you know, like champagne was popped and everybody's giving each other hugs and,
1: lots of
0: we're, tears we're, we're lots of crying and yeah yeah Whew, that's that is a lot yeah that's a lot, <laughs> In of that different way, that's a lot of fabulousness and so obviously that meeting on the Saturday was a success
1: we had a secret secret code we had said okay if because that's a deal she has to decide she still likes us and wants to go ahead with us and same with us this is a good fit for us and so we decided we were going to squeeze each other's hand under the table if if it was kind of a a good or a go-to. And so the squeeze happened and then it was kind of like, okay, so now what? So she had a doctor's appointment the following Thursday and um, we drove back up for that appointment. She allowed us to be in the room for that. And so went there. for baby's heartbeat. Yeah. So we got to hear, we got to hear his heartbeat for the first time. We found out it was a boy actually at our match meeting. So she kind of blurted that out, which was so exciting. So now we knew we were not only picked, but we were having a baby boy and, so we went up, we went up on the Thursday, got to hear his heartbeat. And then the doctor, I remember her looking at us and saying, okay, well, like when, when do you want to have, or she said it to, to the, his birth mom, mm-hmm. when do you guys, when do you want to have this baby? Like you're ready to go. And granted, this was a week after we got picked. This was very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, And she said, well, I don't know. Like, and she looked at us and she said, well, when do you guys want to have, when do you guys want to have them? Like you're his parents, you guys decide. And so both Bob and I were like, I don't, I don't know. Like, Saturday seemed good. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. So let's see, you got to pick a day yeah. where your whole life is gonna yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: So it's Thursday and we say Saturday. How about Saturday? Yeah.
1: Well let's, yeah, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So they, so they induced her on Friday and then um, we drove up, I think we got it to Edmonton at like 1am on Saturday morning and then we had him at 445 in the afternoon. It just happened so, so fast stayed an extra night in the hospital. And then we drove home as a family of three and it was just the greatest whirlwind. And I, I honestly, I don't know if I can speak for you. I don't think you would have had it any other way. No. Like, I just wouldn't have wanted to wait. I just, it was just perfect. And it was, I think everything we could have hoped for. And just, it just felt, I think because we got to be such a big part of it as well. Like we got to be in the room when he was born. Um, Bobby got to cut the cord. I got to do skin on skin for the first hour of his little life. Like we just got to be a part of, almost all of the things. So it just felt as though we almost were really going through it as, you know, like if I was to have been pregnant. So it was just really special to also be able to be a part of it like that.
0: Wow. That is a, a really extraordinary story. And, and like, even when you were talking about your meeting with her and she said, well, you're the parents you know, what do you want
1: that that must have just made your heart sing? It was yeah. a, an unreal feeling. Like, I know we're both smiling right now because we, I, I remember that. Like, I just remember all of it
2: clearly. It, it was so surreal, really. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I'm so I'm an uncle and I've been an uncle for quite a few years before I had my own. Right. And it, it took me a while to, like, get I'm out of dad. this <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm, I'm <laughs> right. And, you know, like I'm, I'm holding Eli. Right. And I'm, you know, when he's new, it's like, I'm like. Who's your favorite uncle? I mean, who's your favorite dad? <laughs> you
1: know?
0: Wow. And how is life now? How old is Eli?
1: And and what is life like now for the busy. three of you? He's <laughs> <is> busy. busy. <laughs> busy. <laughs> life is life is good. Yeah. He's he's three and a half. He'll be four actually um, this coming October. He yeah, he is busy, but it's I don't know. It's like the best kind of busy, like we just wouldn't, we just can't imagine life. We couldn't imagine life ever without him. Wow. It's such a heartwarming, um, not
0: conclusion to your story because obviously your story has many, many years and decades to go, but after what you went through, what a, you know, what a
1: reward. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the sweet ending without calling it an ending because we're just getting started. Of a chapter. Yeah. 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 And a chapter can have an
0: ending and you just move on to the next That's chapter. Right. What do you think your next chapter will be?
1: There's just lots. We, we, um, we bought actually the same year that we had Eli, we actually um, bought a little piece of property out in BC, something we have been dreaming about for years to have as a place where the friends and family want to congregate um, somewhere for us to get out of the city and just be able to be in nature and by the water And so we did that in the same year that um, we had Eli. And so over the years, we've just been working away at that. And we've got some big things happening this year out there. But I think, you know, just spending that time and and making the memories together and travel has really been something on our list that we want to do. And of course, with the COVID stuff running rampant when Eli was very little, um, I guess that was kind of a blessing in disguise for us too, because Bob was able to be home with him when he was very little and when all the big things were happening and the changes daily. So I think yeah, travel and just enjoying life and it's mm-hmm. it is very busy but you know it's it's a good kind of busy and we're just making lots of new memories and yeah.
0: Bobby, what do you love most about your wife?
2: Her personality. <laughs> <so good> <laughs> <laughs> her personality I, I really do like her personality and, and just the way that she carries herself through life um her outlook on life is is amazing and it's you know so i there's ups and downs in life all the time right and whenever I'm feeling down or something she's always there she's always there she's my supportive system she makes me happy she makes me smile
0: Beautiful. Gabrielle, I'm turning the table. (laughs) What do you love most about Bobby?
1: His heart. Bob is somebody that I think from the very beginning, like you said, even with, you know, with the parents on the volleyball field, um, people can see Bobby's heart because he wears it on his sleeve. He would give you the shirt off of his back. He would walk uphill and all through the miles through cancer journeys with you. Like he is a good friend. He is a good partner. Um, and his heart is real and it's raw and he's got a good heart and it's thoughtful and caring and all the good things. Thank you. Well, my heart is full.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you guys have just made my day and I really feel so much joy for you. And I'm, I'm delighted that you're living the
1: lovely life you are. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to unpack when you put it all under. <laughs> one roof but it's a it's a good story and it's our story and and we're just getting started thank you so much thank you you for
0: thanks for listening to the canadian love map if you love us please subscribe and share and if you want to help us spread the love even more rate and review our podcast it makes such a difference we'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map This podcast is presented and made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.